Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast. I'm your host, Misty Little. This is Season 2, Episode 6, and today's guest is Kara Bova, an urban backyard gardener based out of North Texas. Kara focuses heavily on growing an abundance of edibles for her family and is on a mission to make gardening more accessible and relatable to those coming to the hobby. She's built a fabulous blog at Nourishing Pursuits, where she not only catalogs her garden, but interviews other gardeners from all the other walks of life. I found Kara through one of those guests, and we connected further through Instagram and via email, and I kind of took a deep dive into her blog and found some interesting things she does in her garden, and we chatted about some of those things. And I think you guys will find that very, very interesting. So if you like today's episode, as always, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you listen on iTunes, if you could just take a few minutes of your time and leave me a star review and a rating, that'd be great because it helps my podcast filter its way up into the strange algorithms of uh, the podcast universe in iTunes. Um, You can also find me on YouTube now by searching for the Garden Path Podcast. I've uploaded... Um, not only some of the uh, podcast episodes from last season and this season, but I've also been sharing some things in my garden as well. So you can find that, uh, like I said, searching through YouTube for the Garden Path Podcast or via the link in the show notes. And as always, I'm on Instagram at the Garden Path Podcast. So you guys enjoy the episode and happy gardening. All right. Thanks again for uh, coming on and being interested in being on the podcast. Um, if you could introduce yourself and where you garden and what zone, and I guess kind of tell us a little bit about how long you've gardened there. Sure. Um, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on with you today. Um, I'm Kara Bova. I'm working on a goal to grow the majority of my family's produce in an urban backyard setting. And um, right now I'm writing articles on nourishingpursuits.com to share what I'm learning along the way. So I'm gardening in North Texas. I'm zone 8A, and um, I've gardened a little bit in Austin, Texas, too, which is also zone 8, but it's 8B. Um, and I've been gardening here. This is my third year to be gardening here where I'm, where I'm at. Okay. And so your family, is it just you and your husband? Do you have children? Yes, it's me and my husband, and then we have um, a sweet dog named Hana, and we have chickens. Okay. For right now. Yep. That's good. And so the type of gardening, gardening, I guess you do, I saw mostly on your videos and your blog, you seem to be mostly focused on edibles. Do you do any flower gardening or just is your passion edibles? Um, well, we, yes, my passion, I guess, is expanding. So definitely edibles for now. And then um, I do really love growing flowers, but I also love growing things that serve multiple purposes. So the flowers I started with have been um, edible flowers like nasturtium and borage, lavender. Um, I have some hyssop and calendula. And then actually for Christmas this year, I asked for a few um, cut flowers because I've loved bringing the garden inside. And so I wanted some that were a little bit more dramatic to add to bouquets and stuff. Um, so it's expanding as I keep learning more, I guess. Okay. Um, and you have chickens, right? And so what kind of special breeds and how long have you had them? Um, we've had chickens, um, I guess, going on maybe six years now. Um, the girls we have right now, we have um, two. And we normally have three. We actually recently just lost one. We lost an Americana. Um mm. spunky. 
this funky Americana. She was real sweet. Um, and we have a silver laced wine dot right now. And then the other chicken is beautiful. She's white and she has some gray feathers. She just got done molting and has a little bit more gray. She lays light brown eggs, but we weren't really sure. Um, and the feed store where we got her wasn't sure what breed she was. So we've, we've looked it up online to try to figure it out, but, um, but we're not, we're not really sure. We haven't found anything conclusive. So. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so since you're in the city, um, do you have any ordinances that allow for that or are you kind of undercover? <laughs> no, we, um, that was actually one thing when we moved that we were looking for is to make sure, cause we, the different cities that are around us, it's kind of a mix of sit between ordinance that say it's okay and that don't, but our city actually does allow up to 12 hens. Um, they don't allow any roosters, but when we walk our dog, um, we definitely hear roosters in our neighborhood. We live in, <laughs> in a neighborhood that's pretty chicken friendly, which is nice. That's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that way you can talk to other neighbors. I mean, I don't know if you do, but about chickens and I guess, I don't know. It's nice to have a chicken neighborhood, I think. Yes, definitely. We actually ended up um, with a rooster at one point. We didn't know um, when we got the – we were assuming we were getting three hens from the feed store when we had first moved here, and one ended up being a rooster, but our neighbors were really great about it until we found him a better home. And we – we just had three at the time. And so it was, we didn't have enough hens to keep him busy. So we found right. a home for him. Yeah. Um, but they were, they were really great. And they actually said the neighbors that live um, on one side of us said that they hope to one day have more land and that they really loved hearing the rooster crow when they did. So that worked out really well. That's good. Yeah. So do you have any special chicken keeping techniques? Are you free range or deep bedding, cleaning and that Tell me about your chickens, I guess. Okay, sure. A little bit sure. more about your keeping. Um, so when we lived in Austin um, three years ago, and that's when we first started keeping chickens. And at that time, we let them free range because we just had a lot of tree coverage and um, it was easy. We didn't have an alley. So that worked out really great. But And when we moved here, we kind of assumed we'd do the same thing. But within a few days of moving to our current house, we had a hawk land on our back fence. Mm. And um, we actually, we have, we have them in a a coop that has a run and then we kind of extended like a little, we call it a playpen area um, for them over with some rose bushes. So there's some coverage, but we actually had a hawk get one, even though there was, we were surprised that it even made it into that area. Um, So now what we do is we just move the coop around um, instead of letting them free range because we, we let them out when we're outside, but if we're not out there, then they stay in the coop and we just move it around the yard. Okay. Um, yeah, it must be nice to have had the free range in Austin. (laughs) It was really great. Yeah. I think we just kind of got lucky. That was our first, first experience with it. And we found out it's just not that easy. Now we have a lot of neighbors that have chickens out and actually sometimes we'll see them like crossing the street. Um, so we always wonder, we haven't talked to them about it Yeah, They live, um, several blocks away and we just haven't seen them outside yet, but we wonder Hmm. like, are they just, assuming that they'll always lose one. But I think that it's the same people that have roosters. So I suppose that's working in their favor. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess, so the pros and cons of keeping chickens, what have you run into so far? Um, I mean, it seems like the pros outweigh the cons right now. Definitely. Yeah. They, um, I think, well, so originally when we decided to get chickens, we had just come back from a hike in Peru. We did 
um, a hike to Machu Picchu and we saw chicken just everywhere. Um, and they, it just seemed like a lot of fun. And we are also really interested in food and a big reason that we have them is for the eggs that we eat, but they have been surprisingly sweet and all have such unique personalities. I, I really didn't know what to expect when we got them. Um, but some are so loving and seem to kind of imprint on you and love to be held and have sweet clucks when you come by. And some have just been really funny and run really fast from you. We haven't like Reba, the one we lost recently, she was real spunky. She was always like really fast and didn't love people as, as much, but she was really always by her chicken sisters. And so it's just fun to kind of to see, see how unique and different they are and how sweet they are. I guess I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. My brother has, my brother has chickens in his backyard and, um, he's in a, I guess it's more a suburban area, but, um, he's the same way. He, they're like little pets for him. Right. Yeah. He loves them. Yeah. Yeah. They're part of our family. Um, so like I kind of did, you know, some research reading, look through your, your garden videos that you've been doing the last few months, um, which are really great because I think they're fun to look back at and, I know for me, it's always hard to realize how much my garden's changed if I'm not taking mm-hmm. photos or videos. And um, so some things I noticed in the videos that were of interest to me were your peanuts, for one. Um, how did that work out? And have you harvested any? Or was it more like for um, for prepping your beds? Yeah, so that was um, my husband's pick, actually. we were When we were deciding what seeds we wanted to order, um, I guess last spring, we wanted stuff that we definitely would eat and we're trying to decide things that would save us money that are more expensive at the grocery store. And then we also wanted something that was just fun and unique. Um, so I didn't really know anything about peanuts at the time. I don't even think I knew that they were nitrogen fixers, but um, my husband thought it would be fun and he absolutely loves peanut butter. So um, that's why we decided to start growing them and we did grow them to, to harvest them. They took about 120 days to harvest. So lucky for us, it's so crazy hot here <laughs> that it worked out right? because um, they're really tropical. Um, but it was just exciting. I mean, honestly, before we grew them, I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know that they grew underground. I didn't know any of the process. So the whole thing was just a really fun learning experience. Um, and we decided we definitely want to grow them again, but we might start a few weeks earlier so we can have some while we watch the world series maybe because we were like two oh. weeks they were, we were waiting like for two more weeks when the world series happened and we're not huge baseball lovers but the world series is always fun to watch so we thought oh right. it's so fun to have homegrown peanuts that's cool yeah and so you made did you not making peanut butter out of them we didn't know i guess it takes like 540 peanuts or some i don't know if that's the exact number but oh, a crazy okay. amount and we just had four plants and we got a good amount we got i don't know a large bowl worth of peanuts. Okay. Um, and so we just roasted them and, and enjoyed them that way. Okay. Well, that's, that's a fun experiment. <laughs> yes, definitely. It was, it was a great learning experience and they're really pretty. They have beautiful little yellow flowers that then drop down and that's where the peanut forms underground. So the whole thing oh. was exciting. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed was your amaranth. Um, you said you mostly use the leaves. Did you har- harvest any of the seeds for like popping or anything like that? Yeah. So we really wanted to. Um, Originally, when I discovered amaranth, I was looking for a green that would grow here with our extreme heat. Um, So Mm -hmm. I found that the leaves were good where you could use them similar to spinach. And then when I learned more about it, um, I realized that was 
we munched on these bars when we were doing that hike to Machu Picchu that were made mainly of popped amaranth seed. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to harvest the seeds and be able to pop them and like mix them in with chocolate. But we ended up with, I harvested the first seeds that I harvested. I realized we had sugars in the flowers. And yeah. so kind of after one harvest of that and a few bites, I decided it wasn't really worth it. Right. Um, Cause it, it does take a long time, but it was, I mean, it was really fun. It was also a great learning experience and it was beautiful. We grew Polish amaranth. So it was a really like vibrant fuchsia color, mm-hmm. even the leaves. So it was great cause there was so much um, green in the garden in the summer that it was just a beautiful like pop of color out there and the flowers are really pretty too. Um, so did you like saute the, the leaves or did you just mostly raw? Um, we did eat some of them raw and salad, but we ate them mostly cooked. And we, um, we used the leaves for like wraps for enchiladas one time, um, which was really fun. That's cool. The leaves got really big. So, um, what I've read is a lot of people that you, that grow amaranth for the leaves, eat them when they're really small still, and they don't even let the grow, the plant grow all the way to maturity. Mm. Um, which we might consider that for next year since we didn't end up with a sugar situation. Hopefully that won't happen again. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not fun, but, um, yeah, we let the, the plants go to maturity so that we ended up with some pretty large leaves. All right. Um, I guess we can go, I'm going to jump the compost pile for a second and go to buckwheat too, because that was kind of on the same thing with the peanuts. Yeah. Um, did it work as good as a cover crop as well? Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure yet. We planted it in the fall, um, this past fall, and then once it it was done um, growing and got to the stage where it was starting to flower, I cut it at the soil level to lay it down as mulch, um, and then I put some chemical-free straw on top, but I guess we'll find out probably this spring how it worked because I haven't planted anything in that bed since. So as far as yeah, growing it, that was really fun, and I heard bees really love it, um, which it was a great time of the year where kind of our summer plants were starting to finish out their life cycles. And so we had so many bees and it was a great thing to kind of keep them around, I guess, in the transition. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how well, uh, how much productive productivity you have because I've never really done cover crops. And um, I think, I think our beds, they've been installed almost four years and it's probably could, could benefit from a few beds could start rotating in that. And uh, so, yeah, I'll be, Checking checking your page to see how that worked. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'll I'll make a note to keep you updated on that. I'm curious too because it's our first time really to do any sort of cover crops. Has been this year, so I'm excited to see the results myself. So yeah, on the compost pile, um, you seem to it just seems to be kind of off to the side of your garden. Um, are you doing anything special, or is it kind of more of a hands off? You just toss things in and turn it when you think about it, sort of thing. Yep. Super hands off. Okay. Um, yeah. Kind of mastering the art of composting wasn't a huge priority for me. I just kind of wanted to work on getting as much um, food as we could first, but composting is on this year's list to, to see if I can learn more about it. It's always seemed sort of overwhelming to me. And then um, I had listened to a Ted talk about it that just really simplified it. And I started just kind of whatever doesn't go to the chickens goes to the compost pile. Um, and then I, I'll chop up our plants that are done um, and put it in there. But yeah, for now, it's been super, super hands off. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and your lavender, is it still alive? 
It is still alive. Yes, we actually, well, we have two lavender plants. One of them is in ground and it didn't survive the most recent freeze we had. Um, And then the one that's in a raised bed, which is kind of opposite of what I thought, the raised bed, it's actually, it's doing really well still. Um, And it's been so like surprisingly fun to grow. I didn't think I'd like it as much as I have. Um, but it flowered for the first time this year and I just couldn't believe how strong the, the scent was. And it was exactly like essential oil. I don't, I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but I was surprised how much I liked it. And is it a particular variety? I know there's like French and Spanish lavenders. I I know. I don't know. Um, we got it as a transplant. Um, and yeah, I'd have to look at, look it up and look at pictures, um, to compare. I'm, I'm really not sure. What do you, do you have okay. a particular variety you grow? No, we tried. And our problem was that we're just too wet down here in Houston. <laughs> so it rotted both of the plants and they were, I think the one was like a French type and the another was a Spanish type. And I kind of thought maybe this, I don't know. I don't know what I thought, but they did not, they did not last. So yeah. um, that's just what I've heard from other people around here that we're, we don't do lavender in this part of the state. So oh, really? just too wet. Yeah. I think you guys will probably be okay. Um, y'all don't get nearly the rain that we do. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, and your Brussels sprouts, how are they doing? Or how Um, did they? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Or how did they do? I guess. Um, well, they, they, they had a rough go of it. I guess they, they were fighting off cabbage moths for most of the fall. And then we had a lot of nights in a row with freezing temperatures and the bed that they're in, um, it's kind of just them and then some garlic and then a, a bunch of straw mulch. So mm-hmm. I didn't have frost cloth that was covering them when we had our, our hard freezes. And so we'll, we'll see. They, at first I thought they weren't going to make it, but I thought, well, I'm just going to let them keep going and we'll just kind of experiment and see how, how they do. Um, cause it's so hard to find organic Brussels sprouts in stores here that, I thought I'd, I don't right. want to give up on them yet. I want to research a little bit more first and we'll just kind of, this year is kind of an experiment at this point. We have, we do have some Brussels sprouts that are forming. They're starting to open up more so than like stay as a tight, like little mini cabin. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that we're going to get any to eat, but I, I didn't want to pull them out yet. I thought I'd keep going and see if they can produce some more. Right. And so, yeah. So you don't, you've heard not to grow them and, in your area. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, all of their local, our local nurseries have said not to grow them. And I think they've occasionally have some plants there. And the first time we tried to grow them from seed and, you know, we got nice plants, but they never produced any little Brussels sprouts. (laughs) So, um, and we found out that was just, it's just too warm here. And, um, yeah, so we don't get enough of the cooling, you know, the cool temperatures, not the hard freezes, but the cool temperatures for them to do well. So unfortunately that's not a, that's a plant we've already just forget it. <laughs> yeah. That's how I had to kind of do that with, as far as growing it from seed, but I was hoping from transplant that maybe, maybe I could get some, but we'll see. I'm going to research a little more before I give up on them. Yeah. Um, so you said um, you used tool and fabric um, to cover your crops before from like for like the, um, the cabbage worms and things like that. Um, has it worked well or have you had problems and te- techniques to fix that? Or I guess, tell us a little more. 
Sure. Um, it's worked surprisingly well. Um, I learned about it last year at a Mother Earth News Fair that I attended, and okay. they just mentioned to use tool like from a fabric store. So I used some that I had at my house already and then bought some, and I was just very impressed with how well it worked um, and so grateful because I don't think this past fall that we would have had any greens if we didn't have the tool over them because we I kind of started out just covering some of our plants and then quickly realized no that we definitely had cabbage moths and um, needed to to cover everything and it was amazing the difference in what was covered and what wasn't covered um, the only thing that I had heard was if you do have grasshoppers, which we didn't this year, was that if the tool is actually touching the plants, the grasshoppers will bite through the tool oh. um, to get to your plants. Um, so they said to watch out for that. But um, as far as like protecting brassicas, it worked super well. I think I'll hmm. probably always do that with them now. Um, cause, yeah, how, are you, was, how are you propping the tool up with like stakes or – yeah, so at first I just laid it right on top of the plants um, and just kind of let it let it fall where it where it would. Um, but we have some hoops over the beds, like PVC pipe that's into rebarb that we have on the sides. Okay. So um, we I have draped it over the hoop, so it doesn't actually touch the plants now, but protects them. Um, does that make sense? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I've never, we don't really cover our plants and we probably should, but, um, I'm more of a definitely more hands-off like, eh, well, whatever happens, happens, I guess. Oh yeah, for sure. I think for, it just kind of depends on whatever your, whatever your goals are yeah. for us. I was like really wanting to grow a lot of our food. So I was, I was right, researching right, all sorts of stuff to make sure we could get big harvests, but yeah, certainly either way works great. Now, so for your harvest, I mean, how much are you using um, and putting away and preserving, or are you pretty much eating straight away? We eat, you, oh, go ahead, whatever you harvest. <laughs> <laughs> um, we pretty much eat it right away. Um, we, I really love going out to the garden before meals and harvesting um, whatever we're going to eat. That's been super fun. There's some things that obviously we'll have more of, like okra is really hard to keep up with, so we mm -hmm. um, would freeze that. Most things right now, what we do is we'll freeze whatever we can't eat. Um, I haven't tried any other methods of preservation, like canning or um, fermenting or pickling or anything. I, I have dehydrated some. Um, I dehydrate a lot of herbs for tea in the winter. Um, okay. And then – the vegetables mainly we've been freezing for now just because it's quick and easy and most things do really well with it. Um, right. But I would love to look to start pickling some things um, this next season. And definitely. Eat, I uh, I like pickling and yeah. I haven't had a good crop of tomatoes in a couple of years, but definitely canning tomatoes. There's nothing like opening a can of tomatoes in December and smelling them. Oh, so. Yeah. I can see where that would be. That would be great. Yes. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, now, are you vegetarian or no? Okay. We we eat meat. Okay, I just I thought you might be the way you sounded with how you were eating most of your harvest. I wasn't quite sure. So, oh, we eat a lot of veggies, but no, we we definitely eat. We're definitely meat eaters as well. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, 
So I guess what, how I found you was because you were doing the Meet the Grower series on your blog, and I was following Lisa Coffee on Instagram, and yeah. she posted that she had been interviewed by you. So I guess how did you come up with the idea to start that series, and I guess what have you learned from your guests, and um, do you have anybody in particular that uh, you think the listeners might like to uh, check out? Yeah, um, so I started it because I was just – super curious about how others were able to grow so much food for their families. There are so many Instagram accounts that are just incredibly inspiring to me and I just wanted to know more about them. So I guess it kind of evolved from my curiosity. I reached out to a few people and they were so sweet to share tips and to talk about kind of how they got started. And I just wanted to know more. So I um, ended up asking them about interviewing them and it started off a series um, so that I could share with other people and, I've learned a lot. I think every interview has something about it that's really unique in some way. Um, I've definitely had the most people actually talk to me about the same interview you mentioned with Lisa Coffey. Mm -hmm. I think her lifestyle and kind of what the life she's creating with her children is really intriguing to other people. Um, so I suppose I'd recommend that first because it's the one that's mentioned to me the most. But mm -hmm. really, they're they're all great. All the gardeners on there, even just if you don't have time to read an interview, their Instagram accounts are really encouraging and inspiring um, to see what, what they're harvesting and what's in their yard growing at what times, especially it's fun to see the few that are in different parts of the world, like Australia, because it's opposite of us here. So it's, it's fun to kind of plan ahead your summer garden when you see what they're growing for their summer right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little jealous that yeah. someone, I, someone I follow down there uh, as well, and they were posting all their summer stuff. And last week we were freezing and right. everything was burned. And I was like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm ready for <laughs> summer now. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know if I'm really ready for summer because it'll be really hot, but you know. I know. Yeah. We kind of get the extremes, which is a little. Yeah. Frustrating. Hard sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and how long have you been blogging? Um, so I started Nourishing Pursuits in August of this year. Um, okay. You've, you've taken it quite far for just now, just starting it off. Oh, thanks. I think you've done I was, a lot. Um, was really excited to get, to get going with it. Um, and just, yeah, kind of dove in head first, I guess. Yeah. You've got a lot of great, um, I guess guides for, you know, starting seeds and, you have some with gardening with family, with like children and guides like that. Um, how much research goes into your your blog posts? Um, I guess it, it kind of depends. A lot of them are just from my own experience. So when I first started writing, um, well, so before I had Nourishing Pursuits, I did have a website, Sweet Peas and Chickadees, and an Instagram account that was Sweet Peas and Chickadees. Um, and that was kind of a mod podge. Um, I had an Etsy shop at the time where I was doing cards and it was kind of more of a lifestyle blog. I wrote a little bit about our chickens and, um, what I would, things I was sewing and different projects with that. Um, mm -hmm. so in August is when I shifted and focused really on gardening. And so originally when I started writing, it was just to help me kind of remember what I was learning along the way. Cause there's just such a steep learning curve with gardening. There was just such a wealth of information and I was trying to make sure I remembered what I was learning. And then when I was talking to family and friends, I realized, you know, they would start asking lots of questions and then it was so motivating realizing that I was helping them. And I really wanted to have really actionable 
articles out there would, where people could um, really implement step by step what they needed to do. So I was pretty mm-hmm. overwhelmed when I first started gardening. I think one example is um, when I zucchini was one of the first things I grew. And when I would look up articles about zucchini, everything that I found was talking about how you'd basically have it like coming out of your ears and you'd need to give it away to neighbors. And of course, my first garden, that wasn't true for me. So that was really discouraging. Um, So I really wanted to write articles that are honest with actionable steps of how to get started gardening because there are definitely times where you have to problem solve and it's it's not as easy as it sometimes can appear, I think. Right. Yeah, definitely the the glossy Instagram posts where everything looks nice and you don't realize yeah. that all the work that went into it and the failures. And um, yeah, that's what I liked uh, about your blog too. Um, yeah. Um, so transitioning from Austin to Dallas gardening, how was that? Um, well, fine, really, because I, when I was in Austin, I just grew from transplants, and I didn't have a lot of time to garden, so I didn't really, I really didn't research anything or look at it. It was kind of like we had transplants in the ground, and if we got a tomato, we were thrilled, um, but really, squirrels, I think, ate all of our tomatoes the first year we had them, and so it was kind of like, kind of an afterthought. It was something fun that we wanted to do, but didn't really have a lot of time to do. And then when we um, moved to North Texas to be closer to family, that's when I really started getting into it more. And then I've just, it's kind of, I guess, a rabbit hole I fell down. I've just fell in love with everything about it and keep wanting to learn more. And so now it's become a whole different thing. So it's hard to even compare them, I guess. Um, Okay. The transition, it was kind of like starting over because I hadn't really started to give a lot of effort when we were in Austin, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So your passion has really grown, grown yes. here then. Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah. I was definitely, I've always been passionate about um, learning about food and health and nutrition. And in Austin, there are so many options available to you. The farmer's market is amazing. And we got to learn, we joined a CSA and we learned a lot about the farms there and moving to North Texas, there aren't as many options, which is part of what, um, got me more and more interested in us growing our own food. So where do you see yourself transitioning transitioning to with your garden in the next year to five years? Where do you, where do you want to go with it? Um, so I set my goal two years ago um, for, to grow the majority of our produce within five years because I knew there was a big learning curve. And so every year I kind of set different goals. So um, I just want to become, I guess, more efficient with it. Um, even just talking about the compost, that's one of my goals for this year um, is so that we can always use compost that we have here opposed to buying compost, which is something that we're still doing. Um, mm-hmm. So just kind of getting all the other practices in place. Another thing that I'm looking more into this year is researching um, best practices with using water. We have rain barrels set up right now, but just kind of looking more into that. So I I guess getting um, more efficient, sustainable systems in place and then having um, consistently high yields as much as we can. I mean, there's so many variables in in gardening, um, but we've definitely gotten to a place where I think our soil has just improved more to where we're able, we were able to have a lot higher yields this past year than the two years before that just because I think our, our soil improvement was a big part of it. 
Right. Right. Cool. I think you've got a good, uh, good direction going for, for where you want to go. And I definitely see you, I see you having a really cool garden in a few years. I mean, not that it's not cool now, but mm-hmm. I know, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know it too. Thanks. It's definitely always a, you know, it's a journey, I guess. Right. It's a learning process and it's so fun growing new things. And I don't know, there's just, I just love everything about it. So it's been an, it's been a cool experience, it's been challenging, but um, the rewards definitely outweigh the challenges. And so, yeah. I just thought of something um, you were talking about having a summer green. Have you ever heard of Malabar spinach? I have. We, we tried it. Um, well, we haven't tried growing it, but we've, we've eaten it before. And my husband and I don't, don't love the flavor okay. uh, or like, I guess not the flavor, just maybe it's more of the, the consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, is that something you that was in my- the summer? Um, no, I tried growing it once and a lot of the, I used to garden in Florida and um, a lot of the gardeners there would grow it a lot because they had even more of a time with greens and um, hard time with greens. And so they grew it a lot, but um, I tried it once in a community garden here in Houston and it was pretty, but yeah, the same thing. I didn't particularly like the consistency and I even thought, Hey, I'll throw it in some smoothies. And then it, it, it just made the smoothies kind of weird. So um, I've never grown it again. I may, you know, be my, might be a nice little ornamental just to put yeah. in the garden, but. That's true. It's pretty. And I think it binds, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, I guess we'll wrap up. Where can people find you on the internet and social media and um, anything else you'd like to, to finally, final say at the end? <laughs> um, so I write articles at nourishingpursuits.com. And um, you can find me on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook under the same name, Nourishing Pursuits. I have a um, Beginner Gardeners Facebook group also that um, you can request to join. And that's just to kind of share pictures or ask questions um, for people that are starting a garden. Um, oh, great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for uh, coming on. And um, I be keeping tabs on your garden and seeing what grows in the spring. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It was always fun to chat with another gardener. Yes, definitely. Especially a Texas one. I'm always looking for Texas gardeners. Yes. Yeah. We have our unique little temperature and (laughs) unique climate. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good day. All right. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.